Hey everybody, it is really good to be with you. My name is Stetson and I'm one of the next-gen pastors of Christ Community Church and I'm excited to be here today. So we are in the middle of a series where we are looking at a sermon that Jesus gave a really long time ago. So let's pick up where we left off. There are certain laws of physics that are virtually inescapable. For example, Newton's third law of motion might sound familiar. It goes like this. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, so if you push on an object, the weight of that object pushes back. And if you pull on an object, the weight of the object pulls back. And lately, to me, it feels like that all of us are stuck right now in an inescapable law of societal physics that goes like this. For every action, there is a greater and opposite reaction. What I mean by that is if there are two people or two groups of people that are in conflict with each other, uh, you can take your pick. There's a lot of those right now. If one group does something to the other, the other group responds to that group with more intensity. And then that group responds with even more intensity. And on and on it goes. This escalates usually until someone does something that makes headlines in the news. And, and it feels like we're stuck in that right now. Like it is just a societal law that we cannot escape. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired of reading comment threads on Facebook where... The farther you scroll down, the lower the comments get. I'm tired of watching fingers pointed at each other turning into weapons pointed at each other. I'm tired of watching videos from the Middle East of rockets crossing paths in the middle of the night. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think some of you are there with me in that feeling. But again, it feels like we're stuck. It feels like we're trapped in this poker game where nobody's even looking at their cards anymore. We're, we're just going around the table, increasing the bet higher and higher and higher, hoping that it'll get high enough where someone's going to chicken out and fold. But I don't think that that's going to happen because the stakes are too high. And a question that's been kind of making me anxious lately is what happens when we're all in? Now, we could ignore this. We could delete our social media. We could stop reading the news, but that doesn't change anything. To me, that feels like being on a slowly sinking ship and going back to my cabin to take a nap while it happens. But in the sermon that Jesus gave that we've been looking at, he says something that gives us an alternative. And it's not just a way out. He gives us a way to change all of this. He shows us how we can defy the laws of societal physics. He says, if we do the illogical, it could change everything. See what I mean? It's in Matthew chapter 5, and we're at verse 43 and 44 right now. And in there, Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So hate your enemies. That is not something that we need to be taught. This is something we learn for ourselves on the playground as kids. Like these are the laws of societal physics. If someone is against you, you are against them. That's the way it is. But Jesus says, love them. And when he says love them, he really means it because this is a Greek word, agape. 
And agape is the deepest form of love that there can be. This is the type of love that God has for us. This is the type of love that Jesus showed us when he died for us. This love is selfless and sacrificial, but I think the most important aspect to understand about this love for what we're talking about is that this love is genuine. This is a genuine feeling towards another person. So by telling us to love our enemies, Jesus isn't inviting us to love our enemies by simply stepping back and not fighting back. Jesus is inviting us to love our enemies by loving them back. Jesus is not inviting us to love our enemies to make them feel really guilty for the ways that they've been mistreating us. Jesus is inviting us to love our enemies, period. In other words, he's saying if, if someone is your enemy, find out what God loves about that person he chose to create. Wow, why does God love that person? And learn to love them like God currently loves that person. Now, for some of us, it might be really hard to think of who our enemy could be right now. Like maybe ISIS is the closest thing you could think of to a person or a group of people who are out to get you. Maybe you're this non-confrontational, very peaceful person. Like me, I think the last time I had a genuine enemy was in fifth grade. His name was Brock. He was a jerk. <laughs> but for some of us, when you think of enemy, an individual comes to mind right away. Like if your life was a movie, they are clearly the villain. Like maybe you would not be surprised to find out that that person had a room in their basement with pictures of you taped to the wall and they sit there every night plotting your demise. But for those of us who are lucky enough not to have a villain in our story, I read a description of what an enemy is that was really helpful to me. It talked about how an enemy can be more than just someone who is out to get you. Sometimes an enemy is someone who is actively against what you're passionately for. Maybe you have really strong political beliefs and, and someone is going against those, trying to undo them. Maybe you have religious convictions that someone is trying to discredit. Or maybe someone is just rooting for a different team than you. Maybe you've got a neighbor who won't pick their weeds and the seeds are starting to blow into your yard. Or maybe someone at work is trying to shoot down a proposal that you really believe in because they don't think it's right. It can be hard sometimes for us to think about someone who is out to get us. But here's what happens. When someone is actively against what we're for, it's easy to begin to take that personally. I do this all the time. And once we start to take those things personally, it starts to feel like they are personally against us. And when we start to feel and believe that they are against us, we start to view them as our enemy. But we can't stop there because that's only half of it. Because once we feel like is someone, that someone is personally against us, that's when it's likely that we start personally becoming against them. And all of a sudden, we now are their enemy. Like I really think one of the biggest reasons that Jesus is telling us to love our enemies is not just so that they stop being our enemies, but to stop us from becoming theirs. Because we are not enemies. We love our enemies. 
So love our enemies. This is an easy thing to, to grasp, an easy concept to grasp, but really difficult to do. But in the verses we just read, Jesus mentions a really good first step in doing this. He says, pray for those who are persecuting you. And praying for someone is a great way to begin to open up our heart towards another person. And a couple years ago, I actually learned this great way to pray for my enemies. And I'll share it with you later. I'm going to walk you through it. But once our heart begins to open up towards a person, we can't stop there. It can't just be prayer. Because agape love, it moves towards the person. Just like Jesus moved towards us when he came to earth. Agape love gets close to people. And when we get closer to someone, it's easier for us to see them as a person. And when we start to see them as a person, it's harder to see them as an enemy. And when we don't see them as an enemy, we are less likely to become theirs. When we take the time to find out what God loves about the person that he chose to create, we love God our enemies. We love our enemies. This is what we do, but it's also who we are. Check it out. The next verse, verse 45, Jesus just said, love your enemies. And then he says that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Sometimes I forget who I am. And sometimes we forget who we are. As odd as it sounds, we are children of God. And as God's children, we learn to follow our father's example. And what does he do? He loves everyone. His sun shines on the good and the evil because he loves them. His rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous because he loves them. And by using this imagery, Jesus, all of a sudden, he's blowing this thing wide open because now it's not just about loving our enemies, but now it's about loving those who are just different from us. When he says good and evil, he's talking about people who have a different moral code than you. People who think that the things that you believe are wrong, they think are right. And people who think the things that you believe are right, they actually think are wrong. God loves them. And when he says the righteous and the unrighteous, he's talking about people who have different beliefs, different religious beliefs, different political beliefs, different ideals and values and perspectives. God loves them too. Jesus said it over and over that the defining factor that sets us apart is love. He said, love God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the fulfillment of of the law. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. He said, love one another as I have loved you by this. People will know that you are my disciples. Everybody has the capacity to love, but our love is different because of where it comes from. Our love comes from the overflow of love that Jesus is constantly pouring into us every moment of every day. Our love comes from the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us and produces in us before anything else, love. Our love is different because like Jesus, we don't withhold it from anyone. 
We love those who are different with a love that is different. Now, far too often, our faith, it it can get boiled down to the question of who's right and who's wrong and who's in and who's out and who's sinning and who's obedient. But taken too far, those questions can lead to who should I love and who should I avoid? Or even who should I love and who should I hate? But if we were to ask Jesus, who should I love? He would say, everyone. But what if they believe this? Everyone. But what if they don't believe this? Everyone. But what if they have this lifestyle? Everyone. But what if they do this? Everyone. What if they're pro this? Everyone. What if they're anti this? Everyone. We love those who are different with a love that is different. This is who we are. Imagine for a moment that someone joins a fire department and it's their first day. And on their first day, the rookie goes to the captain. He says, Captain, I got a question. Captain says, what's your question? Rookie says, well, I was wondering if we respond to fires on the south side of town. And captain says, well, we're the only fire department in town. So yeah, whole town. And the rookie says, okay, but I got another question. Do we respond to fires at odd-numbered addresses? The captain says, yes, odd-numbered addresses. And rookie says, okay, but what about duplexes? I mean, like, are they even technically houses? They're they're two. If a duplex is on fire, do we help them out? The captain says, yes, duplexes. Well, what about blue houses? Yes, blue houses. And the rookie says, well, what what if someone's house is on fire, but but the family that lives there is anti-fire department? The captain says, who is anti-fire department? Yes, even if their house is on fire, we will respond. We are fire fighters. If there is a fire, we will fight it. We love people. That's what our father does. So that's who we are. So that's what we do. If they are a person We love them, even if they're different. We love those who look different, act different, think different, love different, believe different, worship different. We love those who are different, and we do it with a love that is different. And if we don't, we're just like everybody else. Jesus says the same, verse 46 and 47 He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Jesus asks such a good question here. He says, what is our reward? What is the outcome? What difference will it make? What will change if we only love ourselves, the people that are the same as us? What will change if we only spend time with people who have the same beliefs and perspectives and ideas? Well, let me tell you what happens when one group draws a line between themselves and people who are different and decides not to cross it. That can start off respectfully and and peacefully, but over time, that lack of contact can, can have this effect where one group forgets that the other group are actually people. And that that lack of contact leaves room for assumptions and misunderstandings to begin to seep in. And that can grow into this animosity towards each other's differences. 
And that can grow even further into hate and then into conflict, even violence. And if you don't believe me, then why else are some people beaten to death outside of stadiums just for wearing the wrong jersey? Once conflict happens between two different groups, those groups no longer know each other as just different. They know each other as enemies. When two groups that are different separate themselves from each other, that's how enemies can begin to form. And if we do the same thing, that doesn't change. I really think what Jesus is saying here is that correct beliefs aside, if we draw a line around ourselves and decide to stay in it and keep everyone else outside of it on the outside, we just become another religion with its special book and its unique beliefs and its building that they meet in once a week and you're only invited if you believe the same thing and nothing changes. We just get more of the same. More of the same hate and conflict and division and animosity and misunderstanding, but that is not who we are. We love. We love everyone. We love those who are different with a love that is different so we don't get more of the same, the same stuff that we already have. Now, I want to be clear about something because this is where some of us get hung up on this. It is okay and even wise to draw lines and say, this is a line that my beliefs will not cross or this is a line that my actions will not cross. Those are good things to think about. But the moment that we draw a line and we say, this is a line that my love will not cross, that's when we have a major problem. Because a love that crosses lines is exactly what Jesus set in motion when he came to earth and spent his time with traitors and thieves and prostitutes and heretics and heathens. He spent time with the outcasts of religion and society. He loved those who were different and it changed everything. This is the love that was set in motion in you. And if we don't use that, we are missing it. We forget who we are. We forget what we do. We love those who are different with a love that is different so we don't get more of the same. I read a few days ago that if a bird is kept inside of a cage for too long, eventually it will forget how to fly. And the same thing can happen to us. The more our faith becomes about who's in and who's out and who's right and who's wrong and who's obedient and who's sinful, the more of a cage starts to form around us and close in. And over time, we forget how to love. We forget about the type of love that Jesus showed us. But what would happen if we allowed ourselves to step outside of that cage? What would happen if we felt free to love those who are different, knowing that that's exactly what our Father does? What could change? What could change if we defy the laws of societal physics and love our enemies and love those who are different from us? When we love like that, people see where that love comes from. They see Jesus 
When we love like Jesus, they meet Jesus. He said, by this, people will know who you're following. People will know that you are my disciples. When Jesus came and loved those who were different, it changed everything. So what could happen if we did the same thing? For me, all of this is wrapped up in a story. Uh, There's this man, and his name is Michel Jacques Chassel, who is very obviously French. And he is the owner of one of the world's largest private wine collections. He is in possession of 50,000 bottles of wine. It's expected to be worth $30 million. And one day, a group of people dressed up as delivery drivers, and they showed up at his house with cases of wine, and he opened the door, and he let them in, and they dropped the cases, and they pulled out guns. And they held him at gunpoint for two hours, demanding that he let them in to his private wine cellar, which was locked behind armored doors. And for two hours, he refused because of how valuable it was. And after that time, they they chickened out and they left. But here's what is really ironic to me about that story. What that man is in possession of is precious. Again, it's it's worth $30 million, but I would say... It's only worth half a million, and here's why. What he has is only valuable if it gets enjoyed. It's wine. You drink it. That's its purpose. And if it's not, what is its worth? And this man, he's 80. And so if he spent the rest of his life enjoying what he had, this collection, if he started with the most expensive bottles, he would maybe get through half a million dollars of it. The rest sits untouched, locked away behind armored doors. What I'm saying is, is is what he has would be worth more if he opened his cellar doors and shared it with other people. Then it would be worth the $30 million. What he has is worth more if he gives it away than it is if he holds on to it and protects it from thieves and enemies behind armored doors. Do you see where I'm going with this? Because what we have been given, the love that we have received and the love that we have and the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us is precious beyond measure and it is meant to be shared. So what is it worth if we lock it away to protect it from the thieves and the enemies? But what would happen if we opened up our cellar doors and invited anyone to come in who wanted it? What would happen if we shared what we had with everyone, even if they were different? What if even thieves broke in only to find the cellar door wide open and inside was a dinner party of which they were the guests of honor? For how much longer would they be thieves? What can change when we love like Jesus? Everything, his kingdom come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we love those who are different with a love that is different. So we don't get more of the same. So what we're going to do now together is we're going to receive communion because 
one of the many beautiful things about communion is it reminds us where our love comes from. It reminds us of the love that we have received. So let's do that together now. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was having dinner with a group of friends. And he held up a piece of bread and, and he broke it. And he looked at them and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. So let's do that together. On that same night, Jesus broke the cellar doors wide open and he held out a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood given for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together now. Let's pray together. I think instead of praying for ourselves right now, I think we should do what Jesus suggested and pray for our enemies. So I'd like to show you a prayer for enemies that I learned a couple years ago that has really significantly changed a lot of things. So the first thing I'd like us to do together, with your eyes closed or whatever makes you feel most comfortable and focused, is I want you to think of someone you could pray for. Think of an enemy. Maybe there's someone who really is out to get you. Or, or maybe there's just someone who's actively against something that you're really passionate about. This could be someone at work. It could be a roommate or a neighbor or a family member. Just take a minute and, and think of someone who's been difficult to love lately. Okay, once that person comes to mind, the first thing that we're gonna do together is kind of fun. We're just going to talk to God about every single thing that bothers us about that person. Things they said, things they do, their bad breath, whatever. Just unload. Don't worry about being right or wrong or, or mean. Just be really vulnerable and honest with God about how you feel about this person. So I'll, I'll give you a moment to do that right now. And now what we're going to do is we're just going to take a moment to listen because maybe there's something that God wants to say in response to what you just shared. So let's just take a moment and listen.
Okay, the second thing that we're going to do is harder. Next, I want us to talk to God about everything about us that we could guess bothers the person we're praying for. So just take a moment and explore with God the things about you that might really bug that person. Okay, again, what I want us to do is just take a moment and listen because maybe there's something that God wants to say to you in response to what you just shared. So just take a moment and quiet your thoughts and listen. So the third thing that we're going to do is we're going to ask God to bless that person's life. Think of every area of their life that you can think of. Be as specific as you can. Maybe their career or their marriage or their relationship or their kids or just anything that you can think of. Take some time and try to genuinely ask God to bless that person's life. So I'll just take a moment and do that now. Okay, once again, let's just take another moment and listen. Maybe there's something that God wants to say to you in response to what you just shared. All right, the last step is we're going to ask God to bless our life. And this is really important because even when people are against us, it is important to remember that God is always for you. He loves you and he cares about you. He sees what's going on and he has your back. So just take a moment and ask God to bless every area of your life. And now just take a moment to listen in case God wants to say something to you in response to everything we just did. Father, I don't think we will 
ever fully grasp the magnitude of love that you have showed us and how little we deserve it. But Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us beyond measure. Would you help us to open our cellar doors and share what we have with those who are desperately in need of it? Would you help us to cross lines that we've drawn and move closer to those who are different from us? Would you give us the courage and the overwhelming love that allows us to truly and genuinely love our enemies? Because this is what you do. And we are your kids and we love you and we follow your example. So Father, we love you. And we pray this in your name. Friends, I, we really hope that you uh, enjoyed that time. We, we, yeah. Our hope and prayer is that God has been speaking to you through this whole time. And what a message, huh? Stetson, the way he prepares to just lead you yeah. through is just yeah. phenomenal. He does yeah. such a good job. I don't know about you, but for me, like, um, when I do like kind of a love check-in, how am I doing in loving people? Oh. I often I'm like, well, I'm doing pretty darn good, you know. <laughs> um, but then a message good. like this comes, right? Yeah. And you're just like, am I loving everyone well? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and am I loving? Like, here's my thing. Kay. Like, am I loving without strings? Right. You know, like, where there's there's something attached, or I'm hoping for something back, or even like well, look at how good I'm loving. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, it's so easy to fall into those traps. And yeah. just some of those things, the truths that he spoke into that, that you love, we love with a different kind of totally. love. Like, it's it changes your perspective on that word. Like, how am I loving? How am I yeah. loving everyone? You know, yeah. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the enemy thing was very interesting, too, because yep. we've talked about this, like, just our personalities and like, do I have, <laughs> I bet I do. And maybe yeah. I don't know it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and I think well, I, I'll be completely honest. I think again, we wouldn't probably give people the title enemy, right? but I think this, these past 18 months have kind of oh, revealed man. that like, whoa, I, I, I think a lot differently uh -huh. than this person. Um, so just like stripping all that away and saying, okay, this is a child of God. This is a son of God. This is a daughter of the living God. Mm -hmm. And we're in this together. And we love people. That was yeah. so, it's so simple, but so like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's the job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the meaning. Yeah. And I think the beauty about it is that, um, is that we get um, to experience this love firsthand. Yeah. The perfect kind yeah. of, of love. You know, yeah. is when we spend time in God's presence or when we're on a hike in the mountains yeah. or enjoying the beautiful weather or in a pool on a beach yeah. or whatever, right? Whatever <laughs> um, speaks to you. But just what my encouragement to you, friends, before you just go out and say, I'm going to be the best person that, that <laughs> loves this person and I don't really like them at all, but I'm going to. My encouragement to you is start by just embracing the love of God. Yeah. Start there. Um, um, you know, I think, I, I don't know the exact passage, but First John talks about um, this is love. Not that you love God or not that you love others, mm. but that God first loved you. And that's where it has to start for us. So. That's great.
Friends, that's our prayer yeah. for you today, that you'd experience the goodness and the love of God. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of want to leave you with a blessing here today. So receive this as we move on to the rest of our week. Friends, um, my brothers, my sisters, you are the daughters and you are the sons of the living God. Would you allow yourself to be loved by him? When your eyes awake in the morning, would you know that you are loved? When you go to work or when you meet with friends or when you're enjoying time with your family, may your heart know that you are loved by the Heavenly Father. And when you experience that love, may you be generous in giving it out. May you look to the ones that you may disagree with and offer them kindness and offer them care and offer even a listening ear. May you embrace a life of love. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See ya.